Hey, welcome to the Resolve Podcast, episode number 10. I'm Carly Tisano, a New Year's resolution coach, obsessed with all things goal setting, personal development, coaching, and of course, resolutions. One of my biggest goals is to help you reach yours. I'm here to provide the tools, support, and inspiration you need to reach your goals this year and every year, and to feel supported every day along the way. One of the ways I hope to support my listeners as they progress along their journey is by providing really high caliber interviews with some of the people who have amazed and inspired me and come alongside me on my journey the most. And Hunter is one of those people. She has been there with me almost from day one of my business as it has gone through several iterations at the very beginning, back before she even knew who I was as I kind of followed along in the shadows, watching her do amazing things in her life and business. And I think this is the perfect interview to start out the holiday season with. We're talking about finding rest and peace, productivity, when to push through, when to not. And as we come upon a time of the year that I think is slower paced for a lot of us, I think there is a lot of wisdom and value that we can find here in being okay with slowing down, of things looking a little bit differently for the next few weeks, or maybe things just need to look a little bit differently in our life as a whole. So let me tell you a little bit about Hunter some of the reasons why I think she's so amazing and the rest you're going to find out in the interview, of course. Hunter Welling is a luxury marketing expert and the founder of The Agency. Devoted to helping you turn the business you have into the business you want, she shares marketing advice, productivity tips, and practical strategies for making your work kinder to your body and nervous system. A cat mom and plant mom and dog mom and human mom, she lives in a tiny bungalow in Fort Worth, Texas. You can get weekly practices and strategies and a monthly mini magazine inside of her membership, The Agency Club, which we're going to be talking more about in just a few minutes. So with Without further ado, I hope you love this interview just as much as I do. Here is my interview with Hunter Welling. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast today, Hunter. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So let's kick it off with the real life round and have you share a little bit about your journey and what led you to where you are today. Yeah. So I started my business six years ago and in some ways it was like exactly followed a path that I'd been kind of playing with, I guess, since I was a kid. And in some ways it was unexpected. At the time, when I graduated college, I graduated with a literature degree and I thought I was going to work in communications because I'd been in marketing and copywriting and stuff for years before, ever since I was in high school, I'd had jobs in that field. And when I graduated, I was totally burnt out and exhausted by everything I'd been doing and I needed a change of pace. So I started a professional organizing business, which was just something like really fun that I liked and like I could just be there in the moment doing the physical work. I mean, I did that for a year until I got through that burnout phase. And then I went, okay, but like marketing, (laughs) that's what I actually like. (laughs) And it's what I'm great at. But this was like, it was a great reprieve. And it wound up being so kismet because then when I went back into marketing and started my own marketing business, I was able to work with a lot of professional organizers, which is how I got connected to communities that I know you through. And ever since that, I've just been... I would say just seeing where the universe takes it all, just playing it by ear and evolving and refining ever since. Well, and that's what so much of what our growth process is taking whatever that next step may be evolving through that. And then that leading to whatever our next step is. And I love hearing how you really launched your current trajectory from a place of figuring out what you needed, what was right for you, knowing that you were coming from that place of burnout and figuring out how can I take care of myself while I'm finding that next step and also doing something that I really love and enjoy. Yeah, I think it's so important because especially if anybody's anything like me, I'm pretty type A, I'm definitely (laughs) anxious type. 
So since I was about six years old, I've liked to have a planner with my life Mm -hmm. mapped out from start to finish. Sorry to pass little kid me, like pretty much none of those plans have actually materialized, but better things have, because when you like figure out, just do the next thing, just do the next thing. And it doesn't have to be the thing that's forever. It doesn't have to be the thing that is exactly perfect. Just do the next thing. And it usually winds up getting you to the things that, you know, that you wanted all along. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I have my background in professional organizing too. And clearly that's how we met and connected. I um, mean, our professional relationship has evolved ever since that too. And that's been really fun to see. What was that like as you made that transition from starting and running your professional organizing business to giving yourself permission to say, okay, that's not what I want forever. That's not long-term. I actually really like the marketing piece and I'm going to do that instead. Yeah. I think the word that I would use, and it will probably come up a lot throughout this like conversation is relief. Cause at least for me, I find that like you, for me, I, I tend to have this experience and I've had it a number of times where I'll get on a trajectory where it's, I'm doing the next right thing and usually just feel, feel it in your body or whatever you start like losing your energy for it. And it's like time to move on. And at least for me, I tend to like hold on a little bit, probably a little bit longer than I should. Cause it's so uncomfortable and disorienting sometimes to change years. And so for me, when I started marketing, it was just this relief of, oh yeah, like I can change my mind. I can start something new and it doesn't mean that I'm throwing away all of Mm. my other business experience. Like I still carry that with me. I'm not starting over from ground zero. That's a really important thing to just learn and feel and like really experience. Mm -hmm. How did you figure out that was the next right thing and the next right step? Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did I, it was just spending a lot of time by myself. Like whenever I need to figure out anything or it feels like something's not working, I walk and I put my headphones in so that people think I'm on a phone call so that I can talk to myself <laughs> without looking like a totally crazy person. I've done that for years and years. And I just remember I lived by this like gorgeous trail around some canals and I would just put in my headphones and go walk and be like, what needs to shift? How do I want to feel? What's off here? And I would just talk through it with myself. And when I was doing that, I just knew that there was something that was a little mismatched. Honestly, like just the logistics of the professional organizing business were hard with the season that I was at. I had a little bitty kid. And so I was having to like always find babysitters and pay out a portion of my revenue to that and deal with the scheduling snap. It was like, what if they cancel? Then I have to cancel on my client and reschedule. So there was like logistics that just weren't working. And there was like me looking at like, how do I actually want to be working in the world? Like, how do I want to be contributing to the world? And I could just tell that it was time to grow into something new. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And it was when I was just going through these periods of deep self-reflection that I kind of went, why don't I just, why don't I take the skills that I have? I have incredible marketing skills. I love doing that. I've like, I've had a million side hustles since I was like seven years old. I was digging through memory boxes the other day and finding like my elementary school business cards from whatever racket I had going on then. So like, I've always loved it. And so I was like, why don't I do this? Why don't I just shift? And instead of just trying to force this organizing thing to happen where there was a lot of friction. Why don't I find a way of doing something easier? So why don't I find a way to bring my skills to work that I can do without having to find a babysitter? Why don't I Mm. find skills where I'm not stressed out and exhausted, you know, after all the commuting and whatever. And so just trusting what I wanted 
and trusting mm-hmm. those kind of intuitive hits from reflecting just led me, led me there. Yeah. You're so good at that deeper self-awareness and identifying what you want and what you need. And I think that transition and even your transition into your professional organizing business, they're such great microcosm examples of that. And that's something that I so admire about you watching your journey, all that you've been through, all that you continue to grow through and how you use it to grow um, and take yourself to the next level and how you use it to deepen that self-awareness and that self-understanding and listening to yourself and how you show up for yourself in those moments to take care of yourself and give you what you need. And so I would like to talk a little bit more about that. As you share with your community, you talk about how you listen to yourself and your body as you approach your business um, and your goals and really your life as a whole from a place of rest and giving yourself those things that you need. So can you talk a little bit more about what that looks like for you? Yeah. The first thing that I want to say, and I'm always just really candid about this, is it's a work in progress and it's a practice. There's nothing about that, that I feel is a skill that like, Mm -hmm. okay, I learned it. I got an A plus (laughs) that, check it off. And I'm just done. It's a practice. And Mm -hmm. I would say even right now, many years into, I do think like it's a practice that I have like great muscle memory for at this point and a lot of adeptness with, and even still right now, I'm at a big season of having to listen in again and renegotiate things because I've had months of getting very caught up in all of the chaos of what's happening in the world right now and not <laughs> tuning into me. And so it is a practice. But for me, what it comes down to is I'm so fortunate that for all of the ups and downs that any of our upbringings have, they're always a mixed bag, right? One thing that my parents did so well was I grew up very much with this like the world is, was very open box. So there was no box that I had to fit into. It was just like anything was possible. And that has served me well, because I think the thing that gets the most in the way of people listening to themselves or taking what they want seriously or trusting their body is thinking that there's a right way to do something and that it exists outside of them. And that if they listen to themselves, they won't be fitting into that box that they're supposed to fit into. And that's really scary if that's what you believe. And so I feel fortunate that I got a bit of a head start in that I just try to take myself seriously. Like when I feel sick to my stomach, nervous about something and something's off and I don't want to be doing it anymore. I just try to believe myself that I shouldn't be doing it anymore. (laughs) And that sounds so small and so basic. But that changes a lot when you actually approach life of, I'm going to take the little pings that I'm getting, the insights I'm getting, the feelings that I'm getting, I'm going to take them seriously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think we're all familiar with that sick to our stomach feeling. I know dread is one that I feel really strongly. And that's always been a big cue for me when I dread an activity. For me, I really... I babysat a lot growing up. And after a while, I grew to really dread babysitting. As soon as it was on the calendar, I just did not want to do it. And so I didn't have that settled, peaceful feeling again until after it was over, after it was done. And so I just started referring people to my friends. Um, And I love kids. I love hanging out with kids, but babysitting was just not in alignment with me at that time in my life. It was not what I wanted to be doing. And so listening to myself in that way, Sure, maybe I lost out on a couple hundred bucks, but I also allowed myself to feel much more in alignment with what I wanted and needed at that time in my life. So there are certainly those big feelings, I think, that hopefully most of us are familiar with and hopefully most of us listen to. What are some of the smaller times in your life when you've had just maybe, like you said, that little ping of, "Mm, this isn't quite right? Yeah. First off, I love your story and you sharing that. And I I love what you said there at the end, that it wasn't the right thing at that time. Because it's also really important to notice that like, 
you did start doing babysitting because you probably did like it and you had mm-hmm. fun and enjoyed it. And it was a good way to make money for a period of time. And we don't have to go back and rewrite like our whole right. <laughs> of it. Like it can be good and then it can be time to renegotiate what you're doing. So for me, some of those smaller things are shifts that like they are very small. And I think though, when I say them to you, you'll notice like why they're so radical is the word I think that is most appropriate to use because in our culture, that's just not the way we're set up. I think procrastination in general is a really good feeling to pay attention to Mm. because like we don't put off things that are super aligned and that we're super ready for, but there's such a, a cultural narrative of like, you're just being lazy. You're just not pushing through hard enough. You're just not trying. You just don't want it bad enough. And I think most of us can look back at times when we were procrastinating on things and know like often that's not the case. Often it's just that there was something mismatched, something a little bit off. So I think that's important to pay attention to. And it doesn't mean that you go quit everything that you're procrastinating on, but you look at, do I have unreasonable expectations for myself around this? Is this coming from somebody else's expectations? Do I need to change the timeline? Do I need more support? Like maybe I need a coach like to be talking me through this process. So I'm not doing it alone. Maybe I want to go about it in a different way. So that's important. And the other thing is just, I really pay attention to what's really activating to my nervous system in a way of either, is there like a bit of a fight or flight response? Is my heart rate up or the opposite? Do I just want to stay in bed and like Mm. be frozen? Cause that might not mean there's something wrong with the activity, but it means there's some inner work to do before you're ready to go after the goal. It might be mm. that it's a bad fit for you, or it might be that like, you need to do some inner healing stuff before you're ready. And just listening to those small things creates a lot more ease, I think, as you're going about stuff. Yeah. There's so much wisdom and insight right there. For the people though who maybe aren't quite to that level where they haven't tuned into themselves quite that much, or they don't have such a deep well of self-awareness, where would you recommend they start as they're assessing their lives in those activities and trying to take action from a place of rest and attunement, or maybe just resting from that place? Yeah. I would say start with what you love and start with what feels easy. And that's the best place to start because it's the most obvious on the surface. It's very simple to be able to notice, does this feel easy or does it feel hard? And you don't have to know why, and you don't have to have a huge background of doing all sorts of like therapy or somatic awareness or anything like that. You can just notice, does this feel easy or hard? And then that doesn't mean just because that awareness is surface level doesn't mean that it is super easy or that it's super basic. It's actually a pretty big deal, especially because we have a lot of cultural programming that things worth doing or things that are valuable are hard. And I think that's interesting to challenge. It doesn't mean that things worth doing are often challenging. (laughs) They're often require a lot of us, but I think I'm curious to hear what your perspective is, but I found 
that actually the things that I'm best at come pretty easily. The ways that I am best able to serve clients or even just my friends or show up for myself are in ways that come easily. Like I'm not out there trying to be anybody's athletic coach because I you know, like, <laughs> just be an hustle model. And you know, writing and communicating and selling are all things I can do very simply. I just like trusting those cues and getting curious about them. Okay. What does it mean that this is really easy for me? What does it mean that this is really hard? Can you do some of those hard things in an easier way? That level of inquiry alone will often give you a lot of insights and places that you can follow uh, and new goals you can set, new ways of doing things. Yeah. I love that metric, just the easy to hard scale. I think that's fascinating and such a helpful way to look at every aspect of our life, even our relationship, our relationship with our business and with money and kind of everything to view it from that lens can be super helpful. And then to use the cues from how those things do make you feel, or then to look at things like your productivity or your perfectionism or your procrastination and using those as cues to inform how you're viewing, whether something is easier or hard. I think that's super fascinating. And I think you're totally right. The, <laughs> there is certainly that conditioning that you're going to have to work hard and you're going to have to put in a lot of time and effort and energy to get anything worth having. And while that's certainly true, a lot of the things that we want to take a lot of effort and a lot of time and a lot of work. You're right. They don't have to be hard. And I've certainly found that as I'm building my business and as my business has shifted over the years to become more in alignment with who I am and what I want, it does get easier in the sense that I'm getting closer to those things that I really want and to structuring my business and my life in the way that I want them to be. And so you're totally right. It becomes easier as time gets on, even as I find easier ways to do the hard things and the things that maybe aren't as much in alignment, but I still want to do and still choose to do because they are part of the life and business that I want. Yeah. Yeah. And because it's never a black and white, it's never an either, or there will always probably be this mixed bag. You'll find a way of doing something easier, but like this new hard thing will pop up and that's okay. That's just being alive. That's just the human experience. So that's okay. And I love that you bring that up. I think about it a lot because I work primarily with business owners. Like that's who I'm coaching. And I think about it a lot because who do you want like coming to your house and working on your electrical system? Do you want the person who's been doing it for 10 years and knows everything in and out and can get in, get out, diagnose the problem in 15 minutes because they know exactly what to do? Or the newbie who's in your house for like five hours, like looking at some YouTube videos and like calling somebody. If hard was the metric, we would hire very inexperienced people mm. to do jobs because it's harder for them. And, and I know that in a way that's a silly example, but I see it all the time with how people think about their interpersonal relationships mm -hmm. or they're, they just like let treatment to, and dynamics go on that are really unhealthy because they're used to accommodating and allowing things to be unnecessarily hard. I see it a lot with women who start their own business where they're terrified to charge very much money for the things they're excellent at because they're like, oh, it's so easy and I'm going to do it in two hours. I can't charge a lot of money for that. And I'm like, I would rather pay you a lot of money to do it easily in two hours than somebody who has no idea what they're doing to spend five days working on it. If you can just let that settle in and let it turn some of your belief systems upside down, I think it will illuminate a lot of next steps for you. So I'm curious, whether people own a business or not, I think in the life in general, we have this sense that 
tied into the hard thing. Like in order to be productive, we have to put in a certain amount of effort and it has to be a certain level of hard in order to prove our productivity, or we just need to do that much more and apply the hard a different way. What do you have to say to that? I sit with this all the time. Anybody who's like aware of me and like the way I show up online and the kinds of things I talk about. And I know like conversations you and I have had in the past, I care deeply about people learning a new way of productivity that's not doing more for the sake of having time to do more, but instead doing better so that you just have more time and space for yourself because you can't take those long walks with your headphones in and figure out what your next move is. If you're just stacking your schedule, it doesn't work. So when I think about this, I think I've been like toying around with all this in my brain so much this year. And I feel like I've just even been in such a deep learning for myself, even though this is something I've talked about for years is I've just been playing with the idea of what if we're not lazy? Like, what if we can just take that out of the equation? What if we Mm -hmm. don't even have to bring laziness, not doing enough into the equation? And just as a, what if, what if you're not lazy? What if You don't have to worry about not doing enough. What would that allow you? And I don't know how that question lands in your body. To me, it takes about a hundred pounds off my my shoulders. Cause you know, honestly, I've, I've talked with so many people and coached so many people and had relationships with so many people at this point in my life where people might not be hitting all of their goals. They might not be doing the things they want to be doing. They might not um, be where they want to be in life. But I have yet to find somebody who that's because of laziness. They might be doing like mismatched activities that aren't actually getting them anywhere, or they might be self-soothing, doing a lot of stuff that's not moving the needle forward on their goals. But none of that's really like laziness, right? Like even the self-soothing, like teen drama, Ben, where you and I always share our love of watching NCIS on the weekend. When I'm exhausted after a long week of giving to a lot of people and I watch 15 episodes of NCIS in a row, I wouldn't even call that lazy. That's just an important act of self-soothing and bringing my nervous system back down. And so what I just play with at this point in my, in my, in my brain and the way I think about myself and the people around me is just, what if it's just never a question of we're not doing enough? And maybe it's just a question of we need to do better things or more aligned things or things we want more or things that excite us more or things that are kinder to our body. And that conversation shift, I just find opens up a lot more insight and a lot more ability for you to move forward because you can be compassionate to yourself. I'm sure from like your coaching clients, when you start from a place of just feeling awful about yourself and feeling guilty, it's really hard to move forward. Yeah, that's so true. I love that way of looking at it and taking laziness out of the equation. I think that's a really powerful phrase because you're so right. I don't think people approach, especially their biggest goals and dreams from a position of, I'm just going to lay back and not do anything and see what happens because of course I'm going to get there. That's not at all how it works. That is where the hard work comes in. Most of the people are doing the hard work, even if a lot of times they don't feel like it's quite enough. Something though that I see comes up a lot in conversations that I have with my clients or even with my friends and sometimes just in my own head is the idea that if we are listening to ourselves, if we're letting ourselves have that NCIS Netflix binge on the weekend or sometimes during the week that we'll just enjoy it too much, or we're going to lose momentum, or we're never going to get anything done. We're not going to come out the other side and get back to work even if we're doing the easy things, what guidance do you have for that? Yeah. 
So again, I just come back to maybe I'll just offer some questions that you could ask yourself in that point, just for some like gentle self-inquiry, because it's going to be different for other people. But overall, at this point in my life, where my lived experience has brought me and the things that I've learned at this point, what feels really true for me is just letting ourselves be really kind to the way Mm. we think about ourselves and just giving ourselves the benefit of the doubt. Like in general, even when we do something that gets us really off course or was really ineffective or we didn't hit a goal we really wanted to reach, in general, most of us are doing our best. And what gets in the way tends to be maybe like some of your inner protectiveness. Like you're trying to protect yourself from a bad outcome you're afraid might happen or there's all these reasons. So when I think about that, I just think what came up when you asked me that question is, so what would it mean about you if you did enjoy it too much? What would enjoying it too much even in me, like maybe so it stretches and you don't just do it one day a month. Maybe you do it every weekend. Like, what would that mean? Would that mean something bad about you? Would that really be a problem? Maybe it would be, I'm not even saying it wouldn't be like, maybe it would be a problem. Maybe that would then get in the way of if you're a parent, like you're parenting or something, but what would it mean? You could just ask yourself that question. And like, what what would it mean if you lost momentum? And when I think about that one, that's where I think it's really important that we don't go after our big goals, especially the ones that really stretch us alone. Like we Mm. need somebody alongside us because sometimes we lose momentum because we've just set like a really unreasonable goal for ourselves, right? Like we're going to change our whole life. We're going to do it in the next 30 days. Everything's (laughs) going to be different. We won't take no for an answer. And so maybe we need to lose a little bit of momentum sometimes. And when you're in relationship with somebody, when you're not just doing it alone, whether it's like with a coach her best friend or like your mastermind group, whatever it is. And you have other people who you can talk to and who know what you're after. Then you have some community who can be like, Hey, it looks like you, you really want to have finished this book at a certain time. And I've noticed you're not showing up for a writing group anymore. What's going on. And it doesn't have to be a judgment-based thing. Like maybe you say, yeah, actually my goals have changed. I don't want to, I set an unreasonable goal. I actually need to double the amount of time that I gave myself. Or maybe you say, actually, thank you so much for noticing. I need to recommit to this and show up and I need that accountability. But that worrying, what if I enjoy rest too much? What if I enjoy giving myself a break or a treat too much? I just want to smash that like with a hammer. Just be like, there's no such thing as too much. Like, what if you enjoy your life too much? What if you're not producing? We have such an obsession with producing. It's really hard to get away from in a capitalist society. We're measured and paid and all this stuff by what we produce and so we have to reteach ourselves that actually it's a really great use of your life to just savor it. And, and, and that's okay. Yeah. And if the things that you savor take one day a month, so what? <laughs> that's one day a month. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And in seasons of your life, they might take one or two days a week and it'll be in seasons. That's the other thing is, I don't know if you share this, but something that I had a really big breakthrough last year with one of my coaches was just realizing that I'd really slipped into this thinking of if I made a decision, I had to hold on to it for a very long period of time, (laughs) if not forever. And so if I decided that I was going to give myself Mondays and Tuesdays to just not get anything done, to just really treat myself, 
then I was afraid of what would happen because I'd be like locked into that forever. What if I needed to get more productive and I didn't have enough time? And it sounds so silly, but I think we make these agreements in our head a lot without realizing it. Mm -hmm. And, And one of my coaches was finally like, you could just say this. And then I'm like, seven weeks, you could decide you're over this and you could decide to do something else. With this. <laughs> you can change your mind. <laughs> yeah, you can change your mind. You could actually just stop. And I was like, yeah, that's so obvious. And I like to tell on myself on these silly little agreements I make in my head, just because I think we all make some of these silly agreements. Like we're afraid if we let ourselves enjoy the three hour bubble bath one day, like we're going to have to take three hour bubble bath seven days a week or something. And we're like, just going to be Marie Antoinette on the couch, like not getting anything done. And it's like, maybe, or maybe I'll just take four, three hour bubble baths in your life and decide you don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. Or um, you get just as much enjoyment out of a half hour bubble bath. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So just being a little easier on ourselves mm-hmm. and, and knowing that we can change our minds, we can indulge and indulging for a day or a week or a month doesn't mean that you're never going to get anything done ever again. A lot of us are operating on such a deficit of self-care and just such a deficit of like rest that sometimes when we start, we do need a lot. It does feel indulgent because we've been putting it off for so long, mm-hmm. but you won't always be at that deficit. Like you will return to like equilibrium. Is there a point at which rest and the three hour bubble baths that they become self-indulgent? And if so, how do you know when you've reached that point? Mm, Yeah, that's a good question. I'm not like, I have to sit with that. What immediately comes to mind is I don't even know if in my particular perspective right now that I even worry about things being self-indulgent because like Mm -hmm. once you're not a kid anymore, like you're the person responsible for taking care of you and maybe you do need to indulge yourself a bit. But I think the more effective question is, are you using it to get closer to yourself or to get farther away from yourself? Mm. So is the three hour bubble bath because you've been feeling really exhausted and you don't get enough alone time and you need time to just like soothe your body, reflect or watch a TV show and re-energize yourself so that you can show up in your life more authentically and more you. Or are you getting in the three hour bubble bath because you don't want to set the boundaries with the people around you and you don't have that hard conversation or because you need to make a change to your work because it's not lighting you up anymore. So you're running away from it or because you treat your body like crap. Mm -hmm. six days out of the week. And so by day seven, it's just desperate for some relief. I think maybe that's the question. Instead of worrying that we're giving ourselves too much pleasure, just checking in and saying, am I doing this? Because doing it will make me more me, make me more taken care of, or am I doing it to run away from the things that I need Mm -hmm. to take care of? We forget sometimes that self-care as often as it's the bubble bath and the TV show and the massage, self-care is also setting the boundaries, mm-hmm. <laughs> going to bed on time, paying your bills and all these things. Like that's also self-care. So I think that's the question I would ask instead. Yeah. I think that's a really helpful way to perceive it because you can certainly rest from that place of escapism. And that's ultimately not real rest. It's not what's going to give you the energy. It's not what's going to help you feel in alignment when you get back to whatever it is that you need to do. It's the deep 
real true rest for lack of a better term for what it is we truly need. But it's when you can have that, that you actually are deepening that awareness and connection with yourself anyway, at the same time. And then when you come back to everything else, you're coming back to it from that place and you can bring the tools and skills and that deeper self-awareness with you to everything else you're doing in your life. Yeah, that's so excellently said. And yeah, I think we all know like when you try to rest from that place, it's exhausting. Like when you're just escaping, you usually have that internal voice that's just won't shut up the Mm -hmm. whole freaking time. And it's like when you go to take a nap, but you wind up laying in bed and wake up more exhausted than than when you lay down because you're just, you know, what you should do and what you're avoiding. We all know that feeling and that's not really rest. Yeah. That's not the kind of rest we want to be taking any action from. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay. I want to move on to the resolution round to learn a little bit more about you, um, your goals, what you're currently working on. So first of all, do you set goals? And if so, what is that process like for you? Yeah, it's changed so much over the years, which is fun. But at this point I do, I set goals usually like once a year, I have a big goal setting day where it's not a new year's. Typically I really like like back to school energy. I'm like, mm-hmm. like still such a little kid, you know, at heart. <laughs> I like to get some sharp pencils and, and channel that fall weather into um, some big goal setting. And what that usually looks like for me is since I own a business, a lot of it is around my business. Like mm-hmm. how do I want it to grow? How do I want to be showing up in that? But then a lot of it's also, what do we want to do as a family? Like now I have a eight year old. So we try to do a lot of family experiences and, you know, like family vacations and memory making and all of this stuff doesn't just happen. You have to plan for it. I tend to just like brain dump at that point and spread it out throughout the year and kind of calendar it in. So I can see, am I being unreasonable? Is this a year's worth of goals or is this three years worth of goals? Is that something I'm always having to refine? Like, slowing down my timeline, paring down the list. So I tend to do that. And then I'm also like really fluid with what I let happen after that. I kind of trust that like once I've mapped it out, if I get six months in and like I've been taking steps towards something and then I realize, ooh, actually like the real thing that I wanted, I couldn't even see back there. It's Mm -hmm. time to change course. I let that happen pretty freely, like on a month to month basis. And I try not to hold too tightly to that original list and let it be more of a map to get me started versus a, I must accomplish all of these goals. I'm a lot like you. Clearly as a new year's resolution coach, I'm all about the one big goal setting day and then letting things go from there, figuring things out along the way. And I think a lot of that stems from what we talked about earlier in terms of so many people saying like in the next 30 days, I'm going to accomplish X, Y, Z things and accomplish all these big goals. And when you can step back and really view it from the year long perspective, from a year long container, you have so much more space to let those things evolve, to let things happen. And like you said, you can brain dump a list and it may be three years worth of goals, but Also, maybe you can get a lot of this done in a year because a year is a long time. You can get a lot done in a long time. And I'm also with you. I love the idea that September is the other January. Like It's totally that fresh start feeling as the leaves start to change, kind of the season transition. I love that time too. And I normally, like this time of year, check in on my goals, make sure I'm on target, but I stick with New Year's <laughs> just personally. Yeah, I love it. We're like inverse. So I, I tend to set in September and the New Year's becomes a real point of reflection for me. And then it feels like you set yours and New Year's and September's a reflection. So I, I love that. And I love, you're so right on that the year container is so important. I, I used to set goals 
like on much shorter time frame. This is mm-hmm. what I'm going to do in a month or a week or a quarter or whatever. And I know it's like super cliche and you probably know who says it, but like the, we, I, we rapidly underestimate what we can do in a year and overestimate what we can do in a day is just so true. And I find even setting them in September, everything has changed now that I allow myself to set a full year's worth of goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the month or the quarter or even the day, those are such helpful metrics to break things down and decide and figure out like, can I actually do this in a year? Is there enough time? But it's on the grander scale that you really can see how all of those things build, how all the pieces work together, how you can work on your business and your family life um, and travel and health and how all of those can fit together instead of being like, and how do I tackle all of these things this month? (laughs) Yes, absolutely. What is the biggest goal or resolution that you set and completed? Yeah, I've been like thinking about this question ever since you asked me. And it's, it's so hard to pick just one. I think the biggest one that I've ever set and completed was when I launched my marketing business. That was at a point in my life where I knew that I needed the business soon, but I had a long runway Mm -hmm. to get started. And so it was a period of setting goals, setting what that would look like in in terms of reaching out to potential clients, getting things off the ground. And I really ran with that. So that's been a big one. And then this year, I know you and I talked about this last year, but this year, my big goal has been to write a book. Uh, And my way of promising that to myself was just joining a a book writing pod, a group of women who we meet every week to write our books together. And I've shown up every week for that. And so I think that's like huge of just like showing up every week for something. Yeah. So is the book still the big goal that you're working on right now? Yeah, it is. It's still, it's, it's not totally finished. So I know it doesn't like totally check the box of set and completed, but it's on track of the showing up as much as I needed. And it might take a little bit longer than a year or it might not. I don't know. Parts of it have gone faster than I expected, but yeah, that's like the big goal and just making that commitment of what does that year long goal look like on a weekly and daily level and showing up for myself on that has been huge. Yeah. And finding the support that you needed in a weekly writing group is amazing. I think a lot of authors probably don't even know that's an option and that's something that exists that they can get support in that way. And I think it's the perfect example of whatever goal it is you're working on, there is some support you can find somewhere, somehow, some kind of accountability or some kind of external structure, whatever you may need. The resources are out there. You just have to go find them. Yeah. And just letting yourself get playful in what you dream up of like what you want. And it's so helpful for me. I love having like other people with me when I'm doing work. So I know like without that, I, there's no way I would be on track. (laughs) But you are. (laughs) Yeah, but I am because I got the thing that I needed. Yeah. It's important to just trust. And if you don't know it exists, put it out there. Tell some people that you want this kind of support and maybe you'll be surprised of that people you can find and you can create it for yourself. Mm -hmm. So every week on the podcast, we encourage our listeners to resolve to consider something or experiment or take some action. So what would you encourage our listeners to resolve to do? Yeah. So I would encourage you to resolve to, I'll go back to what we started with the podcast, just so we can like actually see this play out in people's lives. Resolve to, as you go about your day, ask yourself, what's easy and what's hard today. Mm. I'm a huge fan of taking notes in your phone. Like I know the physical active writing is great for your brain and all, but also searchable notes that are with you all. So like maybe just start a list on your phone. That's like the easy and hard list and just add to it. 
as you think about it, you won't think about it every day, but as you can resolve to notice that and then just check in with yourself in a month or three months or six months, whatever it is, and see what you notice. Cause I'm imagining you'll find a lot of clues to what your next moves are. I love that. I'm definitely going to do that. And I'm a big notes in the phone person too. <laughs> I use that all the time for everything. And yeah, having them be searchable is just the best thing. I was searching for something this morning. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's like, it's my brain, like on a hard drive. I'm just like terrified. Right. <laughs> I like sometimes think about what happens if anything happened to this iCloud account or whatever. I'm just like, it's my whole brain. <laughs> you know, transitioning to a new phone is always the scariest thing. And it's not even the photo or anything like that. It's like all the notes, my whole brain. Yeah. I'm exactly the same way. Okay. So I want to end with some confetti questions. These are just for fun to help us get to know you a little bit better. So what time do you get up? Yeah, I have distinctly school year and summertime. Okay. So during the school year, we have to wake up at six o'clock and I complain about it all year. And then I complain about it all year because in the summer, I'm like an 8.30 or 9 mm. is when my body wakes up. And I've been like that since I was a baby. And so <laughs> the school calendar is just so inconvenient for me. <laughs> uh, I totally get that. What time of the day do you do your best work? Mm, yeah. Between nine to 11, 30, 12, I'm like on fire. And then it like stays till one. I feel like after one, I just, I need a siesta. I was like made to live in Spain or something. <laughs> so do you normally take a siesta? I do. And like, if I don't, my, I just go brain dead. My body makes me anyways, cause I'll stay there and keep trying to work. And there's just like nothing up there. I love that though. Finding what you need and giving it to yourself. Yeah, Absolutely. What is the best piece of advice you've been given? I'm so fortunate that I've had so many like excellent mentors and coaches over the year that have given me so much great advice. So when I saw this question, I was like, that's such a (laughs) tough one for me. I know. (laughs) (laughs) But I'll just say like best for now or like best for the season of my life. The one that I have loved this month or last couple months so much is somebody told me instead of trying to make affirmations to make if formations and just ask yourself, what if mm-hmm. so instead of saying like I am loved, what if I'm loved or what if I'm safe or what if it all turns out? Okay. And especially if you have an anxious mind, it can be way easier to swallow and let it hang out. And that's just been really powerful. So I, I love that. And I, I want everybody to know about them. That is great. I've never heard that term before, but I love that, especially because our brain, like it answers the questions we ask. And so asking those really productive questions that are probably going to lead to the questions that you want instead of the questions like, so what's wrong with my life? What's wrong with me? (laughs) Yes. These are the questions that are going to lead to the answers you actually want. (laughs) Information. Absolutely. And it's so nice to just go gentle on yourself. If I think about it a lot with any manifest who have body image issues or something like sometimes you're not it just doesn't even resonate when you just say an affirmation. It can feel so distant that you can't connect to it, but you can often connect to an affirmation. Like, what if I look okay today? <laughs> what if my body's all right? What if I'm safe and loved and all these things? You can actually connect to it a little bit easier. Yeah. It's like cracking open the possibility for your brain. And then it can build to that point. A lot of times we'll use kind of those latter thoughts or latter questions to get to the beliefs that you really want in coaching. And so that's like the perfect place to start. Yeah. Okay. So we talked about bubble baths. We talked about NCIS. What do you do to rest? 
My favorite thing to do to rest is like nap in the sunshine. I just, mm. I love that feeling. I'm just like bake in the sun, <laughs> fall asleep. So that's what, one of my favorites. And then my other favorite thing to do is to walk, which I know some people don't think like movement can be rest, but rest is more a state of mind. It doesn't mean you're like sleeping and just like turning off your phone notifications, mm. soaking in like the sounds of where I am. There's like lots of bats out flying and birds out flying. If you go for a walk at night, it's really fun to watch. Just like soaking that up is so restful to your body, even though you're moving. And that's my favorite way to rest. That's so true. I, I love to walk too. Yeah. So what is your favorite TV show? Yeah. I'm like such a creature of habit on TV shows. I love to watch the same TV shows over and over again. Gilmore Girls and NCIS are my absolute <laughs> favorite. They're always on repeat in my house. What's your favorite beverage? Mm, decaf coffee isn't that so boring no <laughs> it's not boring <laughs> has brought me I, I have switched from caffeinated to decaf coffee and I love it <laughs> whatever your body needs yes what book has had the greatest impact on your life so I, I think I mentioned at the beginning when I was in school I studied my degrees in comparative literature and I'm like the ultimate bookworm my living room's not behind me right now but it's Florida ceiling books so it's like all of the books but the one that probably had the greatest impact on my life is when I was a little kid I read I just read this really random old memoir that my aunt gave me from a library sale about the Hungarian revolution this is so nerdy and so obscure I know but I bring it up because it was the first book that like I read that was about something so different than my little small town mm. life and that I went like, oh, like the world is bigger. I should get curious. And it like just lit me up. So that's the origin story. And I have to bring it up because like it sits on my shelf and just reminds me of that moment when I was a kid where I got curious about things. But my second favorite, I think right now that has made the biggest difference is much more relevant to our conversation is Burnout by Dr. Emily Nagoski. And I don't know if you've read that, but I haven't read that one. It's incredible. She writes so fun. I've read several of her books, scientific stuff, so fun and easy. And it's all about the science of burnout and what we can do to prevent it and recover. And it's a must read. I feel like that's fascinating. So had you read that when you were struggling with burnout before you launched your professional organizing business or is this a more recent? No, read? it's a pretty new book okay. and it came out a couple of years ago, but I found it later in, in my business journey. Yeah. Helping to prevent it going forward. Yeah. yeah trying. Yes. What book are you currently reading? I have a stack behind me of seven books that I'm in the middle of because I love to like, switch back and forth. I'm reading a book called The Signal and the Noise, which is really fascinating and largely about how we crave certainty and data to like be able to predict and prove things and how even though our science is so advanced, we really can't do that 90% of the time. So it's been really interesting. That does sound fascinating. Yeah. What is a win that you're currently celebrating that we can toast with you? Oh, what a fun question. My current win is that I have just been launching my new coaching services. And so I've always been doing done for you services. And right now I'm focusing on doing a lot more business coaching for people who want to burn out proof and realign their business. And it's been going so well. And I've just been letting it be easy. And that's my win. It's just like letting it be easy, like not worrying, not putting myself in a frenzy of to-do list around that launch, just getting to enjoy it. 
I love that too, because it shows how your business, it really hasn't shifted permanently, but it's like leaning in this new direction. You're going with what's easy, what feels in alignment. It's the perfect example of everything that we've talked about. Yeah. And it always changes, even for me, like it always changes. And I've made big changes in my business at this point three or four times over the last six years. And every time it's been the exact right thing for that time. And then it stops being the right thing. And so I think it's just important to remember that'll change and that's normal. Yeah. You you can go on to the next thing and you can come back. It's all okay. So where can people go to find more information about you and your work and all the amazing things that you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. My company is called The Agent She, S-H-E. And I hang out on Instagram pretty much all the time, probably too much time. So if you want to come say hi to me at The Agent She, I would love it. Say you heard me on this podcast. I also, I write weekly letter to my small membership community. And in that, I just share every week, like one thought or practice or strategy or shift you can do primarily for people who have their own business, but you could apply it to if you're just like working in a corporate background or, you know, have a career, something you can do to make it feel better to your body, feel mm-hmm. more aligned, more easeful. Like we've talked about this whole time, building rest into it. So if your people want to pop over to my website, it's the agency club. And it's all over the website. It's really easy to find. And if they just pop in the code Carly, they can get their first year for free and just hang out with me for a year and see what those changes feel like. Wow. Thank you. All my listeners should be sure to do that. Hunter just has so much insight and wisdom sharing from her own experience, but just all her huge depth of knowledge. Hunter, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It has been so much fun to have you to hear all of your insight on so many things and so that we can all go forward and approach our goals and our businesses and our life from that place of rest, from that place of deep self-awareness and making sure that everything is truly in alignment. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. After talking to Hunter, I always just feel a million times calmer and more peaceful. She is such a powerhouse, but she also has such a deep level of peace about her. And I love that so much about the way that she shows up in the world and moves through the world and does such amazing things. You should all absolutely check out her membership, the Agency Club, her very valuable and sweet deal. To get a whole year for free, that's regularly a value of $264. You're not gonna find a deal anywhere else. You can give this to yourself as your gift as we go into the holiday season, the one gift that is actually completely free and that you're gonna benefit from endlessly. I know I always say that when you invest in yourself, it reaps infinite rewards. And the Agency Club is just one more of those amazing ways that you can do that. Um, And you'll be able to connect with Hunter too, which as I can fully attest is of the utmost value. So definitely give yourself that pre-Christmas gift. Go check out the agency club, go check out Hunter um, and support her, give her some love. I'm so appreciative that she took time to come and be interviewed today. And I hope that you go into the holiday season from that position of rest and peace. Thanks for tuning into the Resolve Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at Carly Tisano. I would love to connect with you. Don't forget to rate and review. It really helps other people find the show. And subscribe if you haven't already so that you don't miss another great episode next week. For the show notes or additional support in reaching your goals, check out carlytisano.com. Until next time, here's to all that lies ahead.